Well, thanks for being here today. I'm Pastor Zach. If you're new to the church, Shelly and I are the lead pastors of the church here. And uh, before we had arrived here, had spent almost a decade overseas in Sudan and East Jerusalem. I actually was not supposed to be here today. I was going to be on the trip to the Dominican Republic. Some plans changed. We've got a team there right now, so I'm here. But because I thought I wasn't going to be here, I had talked with Andrew, our creative arts director, and we were going to be in Israel in June. And I said, since I'm not going to be here, how about we just capture a, a message on film? Because what I wanted to do is round out our series on Luke with Citizens of Heaven. We got into that series uh, a couple of months ago. We've had some other Sundays with Vision Sunday and Serve Others. But in the, the Citizens of Heaven, Jesus is laying out this message of what it looks like to be a citizen in his kingdom. And so we capture this entire uh, message on video on site in Israel. Now, the funny thing is I reflected upon the fact, of course, after the fact, that if, if you're new to the church, maybe this is your third Sunday here. You came for Vision Sunday. You came last week where we had video elements. You're here today, which is going to be also a video of footage of our time in Israel. Don't be disappointed next week when we no longer have video on a Sunday morning. <laughs> That's actually not typical. Uh, so we're going to continue in Luke next week as, as we uh, continue through Luke chapter 6, and we'll keep going. Um, but what I wanted to share today is footage of the, the land and the place where these things happen, especially as we focus on the last two blessings of kingdom citizenship, the blessing of being a peacemaker and blessed are those who are persecuted. It's, as you look at those qualities, especially in the Middle East, it's interesting how that gets played out here, but of course we've got implications of how we're called to that here as well. So I want to share that video with you. Some interesting things took place as we were capturing some of the footage. One of those is, so I captured the footage as I'm talking about blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are the persecuted from the rooftop of the apartment where we lived. And if you look over my right shoulder, you can see the 20-foot the razor wire laden wall that separates the West Bank from Jerusalem. So it's a contentious area, and that's part of why I wanted to capture footage from there. But as I was finishing what I was talking about with being a peacemaker, you can listen for it. There basically is a, a military truck that comes zooming up the hillside. Um, and so then we had to quickly pack things up. They really don't like you videotaping in Israel. Uh, I knew that, but we, you know, we did it anyway. And uh, so I told Andrew, pack it up. We got to get inside. So we got the footage, but it was close. It was really close. <laughs> uh, but you can look for that as we get into the message today. Um, but I do encourage you if, you, if you have your Bible and you want to go to Luke chapter 6, you can take down notes or Matthew chapter 5. But this will finish out our, our series as it relates to being citizens of heaven and the qualities that we're called to in his kingdom. Let's share that message. Shelley and I live a blessed life. And yet if I were to ask some of you what you thought a blessed life was, a definition of what you think is blessed, I'm sure I'd get different answers. But as we look at Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 5, we find the definition that Jesus gives of what it is to live a blessed life. A blessed life as a citizen in the kingdom of God. And so we want to look through this list, and as we do, I think what you'll find is, is Jesus' definition of a blessed life runs counter to a lot of what we would consider to be the qualities of a blessed life. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, I'm going to be reading verses 20 through 26. And Luke writes, And he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, So Jesus lifts up his eyes and says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, 
and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Now I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read the first 12 verses there. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in the introduction, what we see here, Jesus seeing the crowds. So we're standing in the place in what is the natural amphitheater that Jesus sat in. He would have sat down in the, in the pinnacle point where the crowds would have wrapped around this hillside. 5,000 is what they say in numbers, but of course they're counting the men. So 10,000 people. And so we're in the place where Jesus is sharing this very important message. And he continues as he's unpacking of what it means to live a blessed life. He says, blessed are those poor in spirit. This is where he begins, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we know this, this message that Jesus is sharing. In Luke's Gospel, we see that Jesus has gone up on a mountaintop. He selected the disciples. And then we have this passage, this passage of the Sermon on the Mount, as it's called in your Bibles. But what this really is, is this is like the commissioning service for the disciples. This is, this is their sending out. This is what Jesus is explaining as it pertains to what it means to follow him, to be a, a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. When we look at Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 5, we see that this was a message that, that Jesus widely circulated. As Jesus was traveling throughout Galilee, traveling throughout Judea, this is the message he's sharing. So that's why this message is so important for us to understand. We find in Matthew's Gospel that he says he sat down. It was a, a, a symbol of authority that what he was about to say was really important says he opened his mouth because what he was going to share was coming from his heart. It was, it was really important for Jesus to explain this message as it relates to being a citizen in the kingdom of God. So we need to take hold of this message today, and we need to understand what it means. And so what I'm going to do is I want to first uh, review the first six of these blessings and talk about those briefly, and then I'm going to unpack a little bit more deeply the last two that we haven't covered up to this point. Because what we find in this definition of a blessed life is Jesus says to experience a blessed life, you must be a citizen in the kingdom of God. And so we need to understand what it looks like to be that citizen. To experience a blessed life, Jesus says you must live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. 
And then he lays out these eight qualities of, of what a citizen lives like. He begins with the first statement that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So blessed are those who understand their spiritual poverty. Blessed are those who understand that they are spiritually bankrupt. In other words, blessed are those who understand they need help. You can't enter into the kingdom of God until you understand your need of a savior. That's the first place you begin. In other words, you're, you're emptied out so that God can fill you up. All of the other qualities begin here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then the next quality that Jesus declares is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn over sin. That's, that's what Jesus is referring to. Blessed are those who have a godly sorrow and an unhidden sadness to the evil inclination of our hearts. They are poor in spirit. They understand they need help because they understand the depravity of their hearts. They understand their evil inclinations. But what does Jesus say? They shall be comforted. But you know, what, what we have found is, what Shelley and I have found is that that place of mourning over evil, it's not that that immediately brings joy but it creates the entry point. It's, it's the, the doorway that leads to joy. That when you understand your need of a Savior, you understand the evil inclinations of your heart, as you mourn over your sin, as you mourn over the sin of others, the evil inclination of, of people in the world, it opens the door to find real joy, lasting joy. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then Jesus says, blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. The meek are, are those individuals who are strong but easy to live with. A meek individual is, is strong but they don't have a desire, they don't have a need to display that power. A meek person is a trainable person, they're a teachable person, they're somebody that could be talked to and they understand that there's room for growth. And of course that comes out of the place of they're poor of spirit, that they mourn, and so then they can be meek. And this says that they shall inherit the earth. And what Jesus is referring to here is that they shall inherit the promises of God. That the earth is a symbol of the promises. And so it is the meek person, not the powerful, the wealthy, the, the people we would think in our, in our spheres of influence. It's those who inherit the promises of God. So blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the promises of God. And Jesus continues with the fourth point, that blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So blessed are those who show mercy. The Hebrew word for this is hesed. Blessed are those that show strong and steadfast love. That's what Jesus is talking about. So that we show love to others and, and we display this in incredible ways. So blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What's interesting is Jesus is describing the qualities of what it means to follow him. That he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who mourn over sin. So he says, you want to follow me? You want to be in my kingdom? You want to be a part of the kingdom of God? You want to be a citizen there? These are the qualities that you have to live out. So Jesus continues with the qualities of what it looks like to live as a citizen in the kingdom of God. And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And Jesus is talking about this, this quality is all about satisfaction. What is it that satisfies you? 
Are you satisfied with simply making a decision to follow Jesus? Or are you hungry for more? And this is also the question connected to what is it that you're looking for in satisfaction? According to this quality as you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, what you're hungry for matters. Are you hungry for blessings? Are you, are you hungry for safety and security? Are you hungry for a bigger home, a better car? No, this is not what a citizen is hungry for. A citizen of the kingdom of God is hungry for righteousness, hungry and thirsty to be right with God and to be right with others. So what you're hungry for will determine how it is that you live as a citizen. You know, someone who's truly hungry, someone that's starving, they're not satisfied with a piece of bread. They want the whole loaf. So what kind of hunger do you have for more of God? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. You know, the pure of heart are those that have good intentions. And so there's a common phrase that, that is told that, you know, uh, hell is paved uh, with good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. But according to this beatitude that blessed are the pure of heart, blessed are those with good intentions, apparently the road to heaven is paved with good intentions. When our family lived in the land and we lived in Jerusalem, our kids, as we would uh, walk to school in the morning, there was uh, flowers that would be growing along the pathway. And they would grab those flowers and give them to their teachers. Some of the teachers, they got whole roses. Some of them, they just got the petals. It depend on, on what kind of shape that they would arrive in. But all of the teachers were always thankful. Why? Because they knew the hearts of our kids, that they had good intentions. And what do we find is that those people who are pure of heart, they shall see God. They will experience heaven on earth as they get to see Jesus. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. To experience a blessed life, you must live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. To experience a blessed life, you must live as a citizen of the kingdom of God, which includes living as a peacemaker. You know, we have a desire, people have a desire to live at peace, to, to live in calm serenity. But this is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus, as he refers to living as a peacemaker, it refers to someone living in the midst of conflict, but someone who's working to establish peace. Godly joy can be found in the worst conflicts. You know, where we're filming, Shelly and I lived in this neighborhood for years. A neighborhood that lived in constant tension. Behind me stands the wall that separates the West Bank from Jerusalem. And in this environment, we learned how to live as peacemakers. We had a desire to, to encourage peacemaking, to encourage people to live at peace with one another, and, and mostly to live at peace with God. C.T. Studd, he grew up as a wealthy Englishman, and he was convicted by reading Matthew 19.21. And here's what it says. Jesus is teaching. Jesus says to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. C.T. Studd was gripped by this. Come follow me. In other words, sometimes the Lord asks us to give up everything in order that we might follow him with all of our heart, our soul, and mind. And Studd did this. He went and lived in China. 
in India and Africa. And in one of his poems that he wrote, he said, Some wish to live within the sound of chapel bells, but I wish to live within a yard from hell. Stud learned what it was to live and to find joy in the midst of hard places. Jesus, he grew up at a time of the Pax Romana, Roman peace. And Rome worked to establish this by by getting rid of all of its enemies through military might to have a forced, fear-driven kind of peace, the Pax Romana. But this isn't the kind of peace that Jesus looks to establish. His peace, shalom, refers to a person's well-being. It refers to their, their wholeness, their state of mind. This is the peace that Jesus desires to bring. And as we look to establish peace, we look to establish peace through Jesus in four key areas with God, with other people, with the environment in which we live, with ourselves. This is the peace that was broken at the fall of man and the peace that God desires to bring back into our lives. And as we learn to follow Jesus, as we learn to live as a peacemaker, we can encourage that in the lives of others as well. God's a God of peace. And we see that Jesus in his coming, that he desired to establish peace. We see that Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 2. Here's what Paul writes. He says, For he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off. He's talking about the Gentiles here. And peace to those who were near. He's talking about the Jew. For though through him we have both access and one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. Isn't that amazing? We're called to be citizens of the kingdom of God as peacemakers. This is what Jesus came to do. In fact, as we live this out, as we become peacemakers, which is what the world is in desperate need of, people whose chief aim and desire is to bring glory to God with their lives, that's what a peacemaker does. They walk in humility. They're willing to suffer if that's what's required of them. They're willing to do these things because their chief aim is that God's name might be glorified. He's glorified as people find peace with him. That's the greatest peace that can be established is as you help people find peace with their creator. And as you do that, then they have the ability to find peace with others as well. They learn the value of how it's possible to love everyone, to love one another, to love God, and to love neighbor. This is our calling. This is our admonition. This is who we can be in God. And what does it say that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God? Because there's something godly about being a peacemaker. It's what God models for us. It's what he sent Jesus to do for us. It's like he's standing in the stands, you know. I get to watch my kids, they'll they'll play soccer and other sports. Nate, he had this great corner kick where it looped right into the goal. And it was one of those moments where it's like, that's my boy. And that's what God does for us. When he sees us establishing peace and helping people find peace with God and with others, it's like he's cheering us on to say, that's my boy. That's my girl because there's something godly about you as you help people find peace. So I encourage you, be a peacemaker. Look for areas that are in chaos, that are in conflict. Insert yourself in those environments and find joy in the midst of conflict. And it's not always easy. It's hard to do sometimes. 
but it is possible. Look in your workplace. What about in your home? Start there. You as a parent, as a child, work to establish peace in your home. Do that between colleagues. Help to be a mediator. Our calling, your calling, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, is to be a peacemaker. To experience a blessed life, you must live as a citizen of the kingdom of God, which includes persecution. Jesus, as he's finishing his talk or the, the introduction into the message in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about what it is to have a blessed life, and, and here's what he concludes with. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is how he ends his discussion. A lesson on persecution. And what's interesting with this last blessing is it's something that's done to you. Everything else, you know, you can understand your need for help, your need of a savior. You can mourn over sin. You can hunger and thirst. You can want more of God. But persecution, it requires outside influence. It's something done to you. You know, we're filming this, capturing this in the Middle East, a place where believers regularly face persecution. One of those believers, her name was Fatima. She became a believer, started going through the Bible with her son, her son Muhammad, 10 years, 10 years old. And, and as she was going through a Bible lesson, she was listening to an audio of this Bible being played. Her husband, Ahmed, he walks in, becomes infuriated that they understand that she has become a believer. She is following Jesus. And so he becomes angry and he begins to, to hit Fatima. Muhammad tries to step in and he's thrown against the wall and knocked unconscious. Ahmed races to the kitchen and, and grabs a knife in order to try to kill his wife. And thankfully he misses her throat, but slices her open across her upper torso. And thankfully neighbors heard the, the commotion, the screaming, the yelling. They came in, they grabbed Ahmed, they brought him to the police. They took Fatima and Muhammad to the hospital. And as she's healing up, the, the police are asking Ahmed what had happened. And he explains, well, they became believers. And so they released him the next day. And Fatima, she's continuing to heal in the hospital. Muhammad is released the next day. And as she's continuing to heal, believers come in and they ask about the situation. They begin to pray with her. And they want to know what is their response? What should their response be? Ahmed, he's, he's a hairdresser. He's somebody who takes care of haircuts and things. And so their decision is to bless those who persecuted. So they go, they start getting haircuts from him. They're blessing him. And of course, all the while talking a bit about Jesus with him. And as Fatima's released from the hospital, she goes to live with her mom, not sure if it's safe at home. She's being encouraged to divorce her husband for the way that she's betrayed, but she doesn't want to do this. She wants to follow the teachings of Jesus and, and how he says that we deal with persecution. And so she, as she continues to, to, to be faithful and, and feels led at some point to go and talk with Ahmed and to explain, to say, you know, I, I feel like I'm to tell you that I love you, that your son loves you, and that Jesus loves you. And she leaves. And that was pretty brave on her part for the last time that she was a witness to him. She was treated very badly. Well, Muhammad, the Ahmed's son who was staying with him, he comes later that day and without talking to his mother says, you know, Dad, I feel I'm supposed to tell you that I love you, that Mom loves you, 
and Jesus loves you. So Ahmed just kind of dismisses that and goes on about his day. And as he goes to bed that night, Jesus shows up in a dream. He says, Ahmed, your wife loves you, your son loves you, and I love you. We'd better believe that that night he, he woke up, he went and found Fatima where she was staying with her mom. and said, this is what's happened. Jesus showed up in my dream. What does it take to become a follower of Jesus? And that night, Fatima got to lead her husband to the Lord, got to help him become a follower of Jesus so that he could respond to that calling we have from Jesus to come, follow me. It's just an incredible thing. And, and for Ahmed, then he understood that the witness he had given up to that point was one of abuse. And so he decided with Fatima to put on a Jesus wedding in the village in which they lived to be a testimony to the whole community of the way that their lives had been changed. These believers that are here in the Middle East, they understand that part of following Jesus can include persecution. But they always consider Jesus as worth it. Here's what we find in, in Matthew 13. Verse 44, Jesus is speaking here. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man uh, found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So these believers understand it's worth the price to live in the, as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And that's what we're talking about here, living as citizens of the kingdom. And they understand that persecution is the price. In fact, they have a, a saying that, that basically aligns to say that, that persecution is the tax on following Jesus, the tax as a citizen of the kingdom. They consider that tax as worth it to be a citizen. Do you? Do you think persecution is a tax worth paying to live as a citizen in the kingdom of God? Because they sure do. It's a challenge for us in our, our Western faith. It's a challenge for us to be able to understand what do we do in the midst of persecution? How are we to react? Well, you look at the example of Fatima, you follow the teachings of Jesus. You love your enemies. You bless those who persecute you. In the words of Paul, he says you repay evil with good. That's how we react. You know, what's interesting is we talk about being a peacemaker. You know, as I've shared, these things are coupled. So peacemaking can lead to persecution. Not everyone's going to be happy when you're working to establish peace between people and, and peace between people and God. Persecution can come as you serve as a peacemaker. That's what's important for us to understand. That we can as we serve and live as a peacemaker, sometimes face persecution. You know, what's interesting is we look at facing persecution, it's actually written in the future, future tense. Sometimes what we, uh, I've been asked, you know, somebody said, well, I've been following Jesus, but I don't feel like I have faced persecution. But sometimes you follow Jesus for a while and persecution can come. So not that we're waiting for it to happen, not that we're seeking it out, but just know as you follow Jesus, there is a price to be paid and persecution can be that price. And we need to actually be at the place where we can rejoice in it. You know, when we look at the early church, and we know, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with the fact that the early church, the believers faced persecution. They considered it to be normal. They understood that this was a part of what it meant to follow Jesus. In fact, the Greek word martyr was simply meant to be as a witness, but we know that as we are a witness of who Jesus is, sometimes people aren't gonna be happy with that, and persecution can come. 
but our admonition, our calling, what does it say? Rejoice. Get to the place where you don't resent persecution, but be at the place where you're okay with persecution, that knowing it can come, but that it actually is an example of we, we align ourselves with Jesus and the prophets who have gone before us, those who have followed Jesus and been faithful, that we actually are following in their footsteps. Persecution can come. But what's the whole goal? Why does Satan want to persecute believers? The whole goal is not to kill people, to beat them, to, to see people treated badly, to see people passed over for job promotions. You know, all kinds of things can happen as we follow Jesus, but that's really not the goal. The goal of persecution is silence. The enemy wants to silence your witness. That's the whole goal behind it. So if he can do that through persecution, then he's won. Because in the end, what, if, if we're praying against persecution, we say, well, we don't want any persecution to happen. But we need to look at what is the cause of persecution. The cause of persecution is following Jesus. So to say that we don't want persecution to happen is to say that we don't want people to follow Jesus. But we can't live that way because if people don't have a relationship with God, they can't spend eternity with him to experience the blessed life that he can bring as defined by the words of Jesus. So what we know is that as we follow Jesus, as persecution can come, sometimes the response of people is that they want to separate themselves from community. But that's not the goal. The goal of following Jesus and as we face persecution, it's meant to draw us closer to one another in community. So my challenge to you is as hard times come, as maybe you face persecution because you're living like Jesus, embrace the church and, and grow and deepen your relationships with others inside the church so that they can come alongside you and, and help you stand strong in his name. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God, for they are citizens of God's kingdom. So I encourage you in, in places where you may have faced persecution, maybe you've been passed over for a job promotion, don't, don't fear that. Don't look at that as, as something to be um, afraid of, but to understand that we, as this great cloud of witnesses we read about in Hebrews 11, we're living like them, we're living like Jesus, and then we have the promise of eternity. We have the promise of living as citizens of the kingdom of God forever. To experience a blessed life, you must live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you must realize you need help. You must mourn over the evil inclinations of your heart. You must realize your spiritual poverty and, and your need for a savior. You must be merciful. You must have strong, steadfast love for other people. You must have an insatiable desire for more of God. You've got to hunger and thirst for that righteousness. You need to be pure of heart. You need to have good intentions. You need to be a peacemaker wherever you go, to be an establishing peace where there is not peace. You need to take in and, and embrace persecution as a part of the privilege of living as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And as you live out these qualities, you'll experience a blessed life. A blessed life as a kingdom, as a citizen of the kingdom of God for eternity you'll experience heaven on earth as a citizen in God's kingdom. Two things. I want to remind you 
You know, as Jesus headed into this list of what it was to be a citizen of heaven, these are not qualities you can do on your own. There's no way. This is not a list of new commandments. This is not what Jesus was laying out. What he's saying is, as you draw close to me, as you spend time in my presence, as you spend time reading my word and spend time in prayer, you begin to reflect these things. So really what this list is, it's a, it's a self-evaluation. It's for you to examine your life to say, if there's areas where I'm not living these things out, the only to-do that I could give you is to be in Jesus. Your doing comes out of your being. As you're in Jesus, you start to live out these qualities. So uh, that would be my, my challenge to you today is draw close to Jesus and you'll start to see these qualities lived out in your life. The second thing this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to close in song today. Those last two qualities is blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the persecuted. Maybe you're here today, and I'd like to invite the prayer team forward. Prayer team, if you could come and make yourself available uh, at the end of the service. If you're here, as we're going to close in song, what I want you to do is if you're living in the midst of conflict right now, and you're serving as a peacemaker, it's taxing. It really can wear on you. And so we want you to be prayed for before you leave from this place today. Maybe you're being persecuted. Maybe you're being persecuted on the college campus. Maybe in your workplace. Maybe in your home. Maybe you're the only believer in your household, and so you're facing persecution. Look, that shouldn't cause you to run away from the church. It should make you run into the church. So may you get prayer before you leave from this place. We want to encourage you before you go to say, we're here with you, we believe in you, and we want to pray for you as a peacemaker and someone who's facing persecution. So if that's you today, as we're going to close out in song, I just encourage you, come forward to our prayer team and come and be prayed for this morning. Don't leave from this place uh, heavy-hearted. Leave from this place in joy to know, God, thank you that I'm a citizen of the kingdom. My persecution is my receipt to say, I'm in. So don't, don't run from here feeling like, man, that's a challenge today. Just know and embrace to feel like, God, thanks for the confirmation that I'm a part of what you're doing in the world, that I'm a citizen of heaven. So as we, as we sing, feel free to sing, but feel free to move out from your seats and come forward and get prayer this morning.